Um, we're, uh, we're in a, a series uh, as a church family we're, we're called But God. So what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, and we're going to be looking at for a few more weeks as we lead into early September, is times in scripture and also from personal testimonies where someone has prayed, but God. Or in their prayer, they have really reflected a faith perspective that what we see is not the limit of things. There's all of God's power, presence, his perfect ways that are at work in the world, however, however things may seem. Um, we're we're going to, uh, a little bit later on in our ministry time, we're going to take a moment to invite people to pray some but God prayers. Um, it, it's a joy as ever to have some of the Ukrainian Christian Fellowship with us here today again. And we just can't forget, can we, the reality for some in this building right now. And I can see some others I know have had to leave their countries of birth in order to, to escape from things, to be here. The reality of the need to pray but God uh, for Ukraine and for so many other parts of the world that, that don't even make the, the, the front pages of, of the news, um, you know, because they don't have our interests in terms of the UK at their heart. But there are so many but God prayers to make, aren't there, around the world? And we're going to give space for that. There's been the, the shocking um, news about um, a nurse who killed those, you know, those babies who she was meant to be looking after. And that will have just torn at, at so many hearts. Um, and I'm sure we'll want to be praying for those families and for others who are affected by those kinds of things. In our culture, and that includes, sadly, sometimes within the church as well as outside of the church, we have all kinds of abuses of power. We have situations where uh, things get twisted. People end up getting twisted. And we want to pray, I'm sure, but God, for so many situations in public life and in church life and for leaders and for others. And then in your own personal circumstances, I'd be just astonished to discover, I don't believe I would discover, if I was to ask, you know, and I'm not going to, put up a hand if you haven't got any situation at the moment where you're asking and praying for a God solution, a kingdom of God power to come and to bring transformation. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling uh, emotionally or physically or spiritually, I hope you know the truth that God meets you in that place of weakness. God doesn't say, get strong and then I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you. Throughout scripture, God is partnering and working alongside and with women and men who in worldly ways are weak, in worldly ways might not be chosen. But God is at work in every single one of us. And it's perhaps in our weakness, isn't it, that we're more often willing, in our culture anyway, to say, but God, I need you. Would you come and change this situation? So this is our series. We're doing a some Bible passage work over the uh, next few weeks. But today we have a real privilege. We have Ross and Christine Patterson. Would you like to come up and join us? And uh, you'll need to grab a microphone if that's okay. 
Now, here we go. So, Ross and Christine, many people here know who you are uh, as mission partners, really long-standing mission partners of, of Trinity Cheltenham, but there'll be a bunch of people who don't know who you are. So, uh, very briefly, who are you? <laughs> I'm Ross. Congratulations. Um, we have... I went to Mission Field 54 years ago, uh, working in Taiwan, China, Singapore, all those kind of countries with the Chinese. Um, yeah, I joined Ross in 1975 and did the same with him after that. So 54 years serving God in, in mission in other countries. Um, we're passionate, aren't we, about, and I know you are, about every one of us is on mission wherever we are, but you were on mission as partners of Trinity in those particular parts of, parts of the world, 54 years, and you finally have decided the time has sort of come for a, a sort of semi-retirement. I don't believe there is such a thing as a, as a retirement, or a, but a, an ending of the kind of one phase, the formal phase of partnership here, and we want to mark the moment with you, if, if, if we may, because you've been just astonishing mission partners, and we're going to share a bit of your story, and we're going to hear some of the but God parts of us um, in, in a moment. But we, we have partners around the world because of how how God works through our partners to change us. And Ross, you've shared many times, and Christine, you've shared and preached and served in this church. And you have made this church family more godly, more kingdom focused, more passionate about the things of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through what you have done and through who you have been as mission partners. So um, is Tim around? Tim, it would be appropriate because Tim heads up. Come on, Tim. Tim heads up our mission partnership work and also has been at Trinity for 55 years. Um, uh, just one more than Ross. So why don't you grab a microphone, Tim, and then we've got something just to give. Am I grabbing this one? Yeah. Lovely. Yes. Well, you can grab this one if you want, but it might be harder. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no exactly, exactly. Uh, th there's, there's almost too much to say, especially for those of us who have travelled for a long time with these two, and, uh, and some of you have in the room uh, even longer than I have. But uh, it has been, as Andrew has said, who you are always matters more than what you do. But on both yeah. fronts, who you've been to us uh, over the years and what you have brought to us has been a source of amazing inspiration. Uh, and if you haven't read Ross's book, uh, please do that. If you don't, haven't connected with them, please continue to do that because they, they, they love to keep on sharing. And you'll probably go on for another 80 years, I should imagine. <laughs> but, uh, but it's important to mark moments. And it's not really an ending. It's just a milestone in an ongoing journey. We will continue, of course, to have friendship and partnership with these two. It's just that the kind of the formal bit as they've moved back from Taiwan, you've relocated here, uh, comes to an end. So we just want to, to, to mark this particular moment. We've got a couple of little things for you here. Um, I don't know if you want to open this now or not. Feel, you, you, can, you can decide, but Christine, I'm going to give that to you. And uh, there's something to your advantage in, in that little packet there. <laughs> uh, don't get too excited, but... <laughs> uh, um, and I don't, are we going to pray for Ross yeah. and Christine now? Yeah. Or do you want to do that at the end? We'll do that at the end. We'll do that at the end. Okay. But why don't we just show our appreciation anyway for mm. Ross and Christine?
So it, it's, Jonathan, thank you so much. You've been responsible for this. It's an image of the physical building of, of Trinity, but uh, some of you will have seen before, but constructed, made through the images of people's faces. And it's the people uh, who, who make the church. And Jonathan has done some clever wizardry in the photography front in order to create that, uh, that, that a church is always a living uh, community and, and people. Thank you to, to, to Tim. And just a, just a little note there, if anyone is interested in supporting our mission partners, we have many mission partners um, in the UK and overseas. We have a trip going to uh, Kenya in October that Tim is leading. Um, Tim or Jeremy Wall, who's over there, are the people to speak to if you'd like to get involved in supporting any of our mission partnerships. But we'd love to use this moment to ask you about some but gods. So um, either, I don't know who's going to go first. Um, the beginning of your journey following Jesus, how, how did it start? How did your journey following Jesus start? And was there some but godness in it? Uh, very, very, very different. Um, I'll let Christine tell her story. She's from a mission family. I, my dad was a doctor, um, a great doctor, but totally non-Christian. Mm. Mum was traditional. For me, the stuff was nonsense. And at school, my Latin teacher invited me to go to a scripture union camp. Now, you've got a big school. Two students went. I was one of them. I have no idea why. The, the VPS camps of scripture union were, in effect, the, the origin of the Alpha course. Right. And so we had, like, morning and evening... I heard the gospel, guy takes me aside. You heard the gospel in English, I presume, not Latin. Uh, English, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. good. Just, it wasn't just... Chinese. <laughs> it wasn't and, Chinese at that point. And it just seemed painfully obvious to me, and I accepted the Lord. So. so that's fascinating. So you're on this scripture union camp. You've been taken as a young schoolboy by, by um, you know, the invitation of the Latin teacher to scripture union. Many of us have... And it was obvious to you. What, what was obvious to you? Well, I was a very, very good boy, but I was a good boy because I was scared to be bad. So I, I knew I needed Jesus to right. come into my life and be my saviour. Wow. And gave yeah. you a little booklet and pray the prayer, and I did, and the and rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. Because that's the biggest but God moment, isn't it, of all, when we say, yes, I, I believe this for, for myself. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Amen. Christina, a different kind of beginning of, of your story. Very different. I was born in Africa in Burundi. Um, so my nephew Simon is also a mission partner here. Um, and my family were well, obviously I was raised to believe. Um, but I was um, a rebel. <laughs> and, uh, and also I, I've, I got angry, angry at God and angry with my parents. Because when I came back to England at the age of 13... I'd never felt more alien in my life than coming back to what was supposed to be my home to go to school. And I just felt so angry with God and I felt angry with my parents that I was in this position. So I turned right away at the age of um, 13, 14. And um, I mean, if you ever see any pictures of me then, I never had a smile on my face. I was just, I was just so, so upset with life. And then just before um, my A-levels, I was going to fail my A-levels. Quite clearly, I was going to fail my A-levels. But, but God, he intervened. He, he, um, two weeks before my interview at York University, which is where I was going to meet Ross, uh. um, I was invited by a friend. She had um, said, 
18 months before, the last time I'd seen her, that she would pray for me, and I'd more or less sworn at her and told her not to. Um, but she invited me to come to stay with her, and um, she opened up the Bible and shared a verse which completely peeled me open. And I wrestled all night with, um, I was going to have to tell my parents they were right and I was wrong. And I'd also been shoplifting and I knew I was going to have to go and make restitution. Those two things held me back. And Oxford then, Street, no less. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just said, God, if you're there, help me to pray to you. And I found myself sobbing by my bed, just, well, just pouring out all the anger, all the pain, and felt just completely washed, completely clean. And the next morning, it was still real. <laughs> yeah. And when I saw my parents again, they couldn't believe the change. So it was just amazing to reconcile with yeah, them. Nor could the Oxford Street manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't go there. Wonderful. <laughs> so, so yes, two very different kinds of stories that I'm sure people in the room can echo from, from nowhere to it, it just things falling into place, that but God, uh, and then God intervening there in a different way. And many of us perhaps in the room have got this kind of sense of growing up and trying to work out what's our faith as opposed to the kind of family faith that we've been in, embraced in, but, but both meeting with the, the forgiveness of God and also prayer. I know some people heard that little challenge. Uh, someone prayed for you consistently for 18 months. And we've, in some of our series, already been hearing about people who've been praying every single day for 30, 40 years for someone to, to, to come to, to know faith, to come to know Jesus. So how do you go from, you know, reformed shoplifter um, come, you know, meeting this strange bloke at your... How do you get called into mission overseas, into Taiwan, into, in, into the, the Far East? How does that happen? Uh, for me, as a student at Cambridge, I, I, was, I was walking with the Lord. Uh, Vicar, what, what I actually did is I, I went to the service at the round church, just when the preaching was beginning. <laughs> I cut the first half, but, <laughs> but I was, you know, attending scripture union and that kind of thing. And uh, not scripting, Christian union in Cambridge. And God just came to me and said, son, I want your life. I need to be Lord, not just savior. And that was a big battle. It had to do with a girlfriend, not this one, a, a different one. <laughs> and, um, I surrendered to him, he, he won, and I had a very powerful, it was through David Watson, you yes. remember him? Some people familiar the name David Watson, others maybe who are newer to, to the Christian faith, you won't have heard of him, but it was just an amazing, a giant, a giant filled with grace and filled with love, but very straight, and certainly would say things like, son himself, he would say, you need, a, yeah. you need you know, me to be Lord, not just saviour. Well, I yeah. went to see him to get filled with the spirit, and he said, is there anything standing in the way? And, I, and he said, go away and sort it out, and then come back. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I just had a very powerful experience of the spirit. A few weeks later, had appendicitis. Dad was the doctor, shoves me in a in a hospital, and I grabbed. This is 1962. Grabbed a book. It happened to be about China, and never read it. But I read why he went to be a missionary. I had no interest in mission or China at all. Then there was a BBC program on black and white on the Chinese, then a nurse walked in and said, have you ever thought of being a missionary to China? 
Now, what is the chances <laughs> of that? I have no idea, but I knew it was God, and yeah. in that moment, yeah. that was it. And then, uh, very quickly, uh, I went to work with David for a year. I was his first full-time worker, living by faith. And then the Lord said, walking through the streets of York one night, said, I never told you to put down roots here. And so prayed, Lord, what do I do? I have no idea. And wrote to Brother Andrew of Open Doors. He introduced me to someone in Taiwan. Didn't know them from Adam. How am I going to get there? My brother-in-law was at that time the leading uh, film lawyer in the UK. Got me on a plane free to Hong Kong and landed in Taiwan. No idea what I was going to do, um, just to carry it a little bit. I, within 12 hours of arriving, more or less, I was in language school. Yes. So two years of learning Chinese. But I would walk out to pray in the city and came to this big area of kind of grass, sports fields, buildings. And I discovered it was Taiwan University, the leading university. Right. And during those two years of praying, Firstly, I was invited to go into intervarsity work there. Secondly, I taught in Taiwan University. So without any idea what I was going to do, Lord help me, but God, yes. he did it step by step. And one thing is clear, I've never lacked anything to do from that day to this. <laughs> and Vicar, sorry, uh, Andrew. Yeah. I'm not retiring. No, yes, I'm sorry. I, I, as soon as I said it, I knew you'd shoot me. <laughs> in Chinese, we say "hamingan," very sensitive, um, <laughs> because so much is online. Yes, uh, it doesn't really matter where you, you are. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. If the Lord says retire tomorrow, I'll try, but not yet. Not anyway. yet. So good. So, thank you. thank you. My story is without any idea, but all the way. But God, the flight okay. out there. Yeah. But God, when I arrived, yeah, He made a way. And I love that fact, and there'll be other people in the room listening and hearing, I'm sure, uh, and online as well, um, how God used a number of different ways to speak yeah. into that situation. And sometimes we're looking, aren't we, for just the one huge sign. And actually, so often God is a bit like lights leading you into a port. Sometimes there's a chain of lights, uh, an alpha illustration that gets used sometimes, isn't it? And I wonder if some of us need to just you know have a sense now of some of us needing just to is God beginning to lay out a, a, a line of lights that would lead you to, to, to where you're going beautiful Christine reform shoplifter no I will I will I will uh, how, what, give us a bit uh, catch us up um, right well I that was um, two weeks before my interview at York I did my A-levels I went to, went to York University um, uh, Ross came to speak at the Christian Union on my fourth day. Okay, it's a seven-year age gap, you'll gather. I was sweet 18, he was 25. And um, <clears throat> he speaks at, uh, on the subject of My God is Real, all about his ventures behind the Iron Curtain and um, working with Open Doors and, and OM. And um, <clears throat> I, my eyes were on stalks. Just, I could never experienced or heard anything like this. And um, then he offers me a lift home. <laughs> he, he gives me um, a sort of... Entirely altruistic. Well. <laughs> he, he gives me a sort of Bible study in, in why I need to know the baptism of the Holy Spirit and leads me in, in eventually through a various um, weeks into an experience of that. 
And um, I, I've, having been absolutely adamant, I wanted a, an, an ordinary Christian boyfriend. Have you heard me, Lord? I want an ordinary Christian boyfriend. <laughs> and, and I want to have, lead a normal life in England. Okay, none of this mission stuff. And then I fall in love with this guy. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. My but, but God bit was he kept me waiting six and a half years. And the reason was... Uh, he well went done, up, Ross. <laughs> They're picking up stones. <laughs> he, he went to Taiwan as a missionary. He didn't want the complication. We'd already started a, a little bit of a relationship, but he didn't want the complication of somebody waiting for him back home. So he broke it off before he went. Three years later, I get a mysterious invitation by David Watson to come and talk about my love life. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I seeing anybody? And next, I get a letter from Ross saying he'd like to meet me again. So I'm, I had given a, the Lord my university years to get this thing sorted out with this guy. He then writes to me just before I graduate. And uh, he comes back. We meet under the clock tower at, um, at Charing Cross Station. He takes me to his home. So I'm hearing wedding bells, right? But the very first evening, he's got one question for me. Are you called to China? And I thought, I'll go wherever you're going. I'll be Ruth. You know, where you go, I will go. Um, logically, it would be Africa, I said, stupidly. And so he cut it, broke it off again for another three years. <laughs> so my but God, my but God was having to wait and believe that if God was in this relationship, he would work it out. And, you know, I honestly thought he would change Ross's mind, instead of which he gave me a very clear call to China. So I went to a Brother Andrew meeting, obliged to go because I was doing student work and the group that I was with canceled their meeting and they um, wanted to listen to Brother Andrew. And it, I'd only ever heard him speak about behind the Iron Curtain. On this occasion, he spoke about mainland China and the persecuted church there. And at the end of the meeting, he said, if any of you feels that God is calling to, you to China only for that reason, please come to the front. And I sat there and I thought, if I've never heard of Ross Patterson, would I believe that God was calling me to China right now? And the answer was yes, so I went forward. Wonderful. Didn't well, tell you, him. Honor, uh, so, if, so, if, if so I can, good. Your Honour, say something in my defence here. Um, <laughs> we, we have a saying in the student work and, and the work we do in, in, amongst the Chinese, Xian you yi xiang, hou you dui xiang. Xian you yi xiang, hou you dui xiang. It means first you have a clear clarity of God's call and vision, then you have your opposite number. And the concern that I had and I think it's, it, however this works out is very real, is that someone has a call and they marry someone without that call. And, you know, suppose you said, I don't want to do church, I want to do business. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult marriage, isn't it? So it's so important that we be on the same road. End Definitely. of defense. Yeah, yeah. No, very true. When, when I first met Nikki, Nikki was at my father's a clergyman. Hello, Dad. Um, and very, very happily, uh, but, but we, we together didn't have that sense of call at all. And actually, a big part of my call into full time ministry, we're all involved in ministry, aren't we? But for me, being in this kind of ministry was actually when God spoke to Nikki about the possibility. And when it was Nikki who said, I wonder if God is calling, that was the significant change because then that's the, the tying up. 
But I also love, if I may, just picking out for us, I'm picking out some themes which I know God is wanting to use. Again, both of you have really spoken there about the laying down things before God and, and, and God to be Lord, not to use the phrase, not just our saviour. And if anyone wants that to be unpacked, what I think we're saying is it's very easy, isn't it, for us to delight in the fact that God, our perfect father, does meet us as we come forward, as we will later for prayer, as we come to him with our needs. God meets us in that place of vulnerability and need. He meets us with our need for forgiveness of sin, of the things that we've done wrong. But there is a danger that we kind of think then that becomes just God's job just meeting our needs. And actually in our flavour of church, sometimes that's a way we can get into thinking that we just come forward and God, whereas actually God is Lord and, and maybe calling us and often is calling us to lay things before him, really lay down things. And so if anyone here is struggling, please I hope hear this in the right way, struggling to discern the Lord's leading and guiding, could there be a challenge for you in this? about coming to God as Lord and laying stuff down before him and really being willing to be the answer to the prayer that you make. So on the mission field, in the mission field, at, you know, in all these different, there, there must have been some amazing and, and some also ordinary but gods. Give, give, us, give, us, give us one of your sort of kind of, you know, something that speaks to you really about you know, God's ability to transform situations from, from your experience. I would share one of the most thrilling things for me has been as a leader of a couple of organizations, Derek Prince Ministries China and Chinese Church Support Ministries, seeing God raise up workers. Hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. We were in Singapore from 1994 to 2007 doing China ministry from there. And we knew that the Taiwan office needed a good leader because Taiwan, as you probably know, if, if you listen to the news, uh, they're same language, same background, same everything. So really effective in ministry to China, but we didn't have a leader. Somebody gave me a name of a girl, uh, of a sister who was experienced in ministry and said, why don't you ask her if she'd head up the office? So I call her and say in Chinese, obviously, w would you do this? She said, no. And my Singapore office leader called her every two or three days, no, no, no. And we're praying, we're butt-godding, we're seeking the Lord. This is her testimony, which I've heard her give a number of times. She went to apply for another ministry job. Quote, I'll give you the English version, God hit me over the head with a basket, with a baseball bat, and said, you shouldn't be here. And she walked out of the interview and said, yes. <laughs> and she and her husband, he's a pastor, have taken that Taiwan base from zero to much our most effective base. Yeah. But there, someone got it called, experienced in ministry in every way, but was saying, no, I'm not interested in a mission. I'm not interested in China. God took a baseball bat and said, let me help you get this straight. <laughs> but also, it's a lovely reminder, isn't it, about the resources of heaven, the resources of the kingdom. From a worldly perspective, you possibly would have been looking at that thinking, there's no way, how are we going to evangelise Taiwan, let alone into China? But obviously, God has all the resources of, the, of, of heaven um, that we can seek yeah. Yeah, if we're on our knees. 
and willing to receive a baseball bat every now and again. Well, others. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Christine, so uh, for you. Um, well, I'm going, harking back to just married, just arriving in Taiwan. Um, I, by then, my assumption was this was going to be forever. You know, we're going to be staying there. And then um, all of a sudden, we get a, a, a change of direction because um, China was beginning to open up. Both of our call originally was, was China. Um, my, we'd just given birth to Debs, our eldest, and my parents were missionaries in Africa. So they said, your fellows and our fellows are never going to coincide. We need to meet our granddaughter. We'll pay for you to come out to see us in, in, um, in Africa. So from England back out to Rwanda to see my parents. And we meet mainland Chinese in Rwanda right. at the end of the 70s. And they were there doing ping pong diplomacy, you know, the, teaching the Africans basketball and table tennis, but as a means of exporting communism, only they didn't really believe it. When we shared the gospel with them, they were absolutely fascinated. And they said, we've never heard a message like this. Our country needs it. And we kind of took that as a Macedonian call mm. to redirect from Taiwan to, to China. But for me, the puzzle was, you know, I, I went to Taiwan, I, I learned Chinese for two years, had a baby, and then left. <laughs> you know, so, and it's like um, sometimes things take a long time to work out God's, God's plans. We were reading this morning, Psalm 106, verse 13 says, they forgot God, this is talking about the people of, um, of Israel, they forgot God and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Mm. And that really struck me. I, I thought, you know, sometimes God's plan takes a long time, you know, and with a lot of setbacks. And you're wondering what on earth is, all this is about. We went back to, we landed up not being able to get into China. We start, started everything we do. Um, at that point, we couldn't get into China. We, everything we do um, started from the northeast of England. Um, and we were struggling with why did not, why did the, door not open. And um, looking back now, we can see how if we'd gone to China, we'd have been very closely watched because of um, background and everything. Um, and, and, and just at that, well, how things were at that time. And in fact, what we, what we see the Lord did was he gave us ministry into China, but without that surveillance and everything. I mean, it's a long story. But a lot of things unfolded from that decision to, to leave Taiwan that would not have happened if we'd stayed. Yeah. God's timing is, is so, obviously, is, is so often our thing to pray into. Is it, what's your timing, Lord? Um, in, in a moment, I'm going to ask Ross just to give a final sort of word to us, a bit of an exhortation, not at, in retirement, but in encouragement. Um, Christine, just from more recently, right now, just bring us up to date. Have you seen some but God moments just even now as you make a significant change in, in, in location and focus? Right. Well, we've been um, uh, feeling that God was leading us to, to leave. Ross kicking and screaming because he loves being in Taiwan. He loves the, you know, and for me, I think more of a pull of family, but the family was saying, surely it's time. So this time last year, we had announced that Ross would be um, leaving. We'd be leaving when Ross turned 80. So his 80th birthday was the kind of, um, the time that we would leave. But we still, we only had a two bed flat 
in, in Hayes. That was all part of an amazing provision that the Lord made. But <clears throat> we needed to sell it, and we couldn't sell it because it was affected by the cladding from the um, Brentford Tower thing. And we said, Lord, we only need one buyer, and we landed up getting one buyer from Hong Kong. <laughs> Wow. who bought it over the internet, you know, through video. And he, he took it on the next day. Um, it was a long, long battle to get through the conveyancing, but it was eventually done. We were then cash buyers, and, and our daughter Deb said she wanted to come in with us. So, um, but then we said, Lord, we don't know where to go. We, Chantnam, you know, forgive us, but Chantnam's too far away from London. We have three daughters living in London, and we needed to be near our grandkids. We just felt the Lord really emphasizing that we needed to be closer. So then it was where. We had no connections anywhere. And we ha- um, anyway, long story short, our daughter in Texas said, um, we need you to come and look after our, our daughter because we've got to be away. If we pay for you to come... <clears throat> Would you come and look after um, Leo for a couple of weeks? So I said, yes, but would you pay the ticket from England so that I can go to England and have a look for somewhere? Debs, meanwhile, was saying, you don't need to have a look, you need to find a place. You know, so I had a week in which to find a place. <laughs> and I said, that, that's impossible. You know, let's, let's just settle for the, where, the, the area first, you know, and then we'll see what, what the Lord does. And she said, no, no, it, it's got to be now. So I eliminated um, three of the places we were looking, one south of London, one northeast where um, Debs and, uh, and, her, and Esther live, and one around the High Wycombe area, and then there was Reading. And there was one house. And they were very desperate to sell, and um, they came down to a price that we could afford, and it was done. And um, honestly, the thing that just is gobsmacking is, at the beginning of the year, we were saying, Lord, we feel that you're leading us, but we just don't know where to land. Um, At the end of, well, whenever that was, the end of that process in March, it had all been done. And Debs took it as her assignment from the Lord to make it all happen. So she, she, well, she did so much. She actually landed up moving us in and putting the furniture in the right, right rooms and everything. So when we came back from Taiwan, we didn't even have that to do. Amazing. And it just gave us a really soft landing. So my feeling is that the but God thing was, it seemed impossible. And yet, because the time was right and... Um, I think he knew our heart was to be where... Oh, the other thing that the, really helped about the house was that it was they who said, this is the house that the grandkids would want to come and visit you in. And that was just absolutely confirmation. So Brilliant. anyway, we're right off the M4, uh, Junction 12 of the M4, if anyone is ever passing oh, on the way to London. <laughs> come in for a cup of coffee. We're very close. Oh, and she, I, love, she, she. I love the dynamic. I'm going to ask Ross to finish. I, 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 I love the dynamic of that that actually you were encouraged to make a more precise prayer. Because uh, I think that's sometimes how we treat God, isn't it? We'll make kind of generalised prayers, because then if we don't get an answer, well, you know. And the encouragement sometimes is, what really is the need, the, the, the prayer? Thank you. She, she missed out something critical. The next-door neighbour, wife is mainland Chinese. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a really rural um, How could you street. put that together? She's mainland Chinese, and what is fascinating, they're, they're doing work on the house, and the people doing it are 
some very interesting Chinese. <laughs> Ross, would you like to just share some final thoughts? Okay, I'll, I'll stay sitting. Um, do you mind if I take a really weird verse from Hebrews 11? Um, Hebrews 11 is the great chapter on faith, right? Verse 22, I think somebody talked on Joseph recently, is that right? Yes. Okay, verse 22 of Hebrews 11 says this, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. And I thought, I mean, Joseph, you've got 13 chapters on Joseph. You've got, you know, sold as a slave, faithful, resist temptation, two years in prison, Psalm 105, the word of the Lord tests him. For goodness sake, you want to talk about his bones. So I, I got into that. What, what is the writer actually saying? The writer is saying that everybody he's talking about lived for something they didn't fully have yet. And there's that lovely verse above which says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Mm. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God has provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And that the whole stress of Hebrews 11 that, that we've been reading last few days is God has prepared an eternity for us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we, we live in this world, we, we might say, well, wait a minute, my but gods have to do with putting bread on the table or jobs or whatever. Yes, they do. But you see, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That, that's our testimony. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first this eternal city that the Father has prepared for us, why would, why would you spend 54 years doing mission? Because, because other people need to know. Because others in Cheltenham, because, because others all over the place need to know. One of the great thrills for me as we prepare to relocate back to the UK is people who sort us out. I'll, I'll give you one example. Teaching in Taiwan University, which is the Cambridge of Taiwan, it's the top elite in, uh, it was, when did I teach there? Um, many, many years ago, anyway, 30, 40 years ago. Some of my students became Christians, two or three of them became full-time workers. And one of them who was for 30 years, she called me a number of years ago and said, teacher, I just wanted you to know the only reason I went to Taiwan University was to find Jesus Christ. Mm. Thank you for helping me do that. This time she called us up and said, I want to have a meal with, with you and your wife and my husband and myself. And we hadn't talked in 30 years apart from that phone call. She talked nonstop through the meal. But it wasn't rude. What she was saying is because we found Jesus Christ, this is what God has done with our lives. And this has been the enormous privilege of, of working in the place that God appointed us to be, just as each of you will be as we seek the Lord. That when you get to be 80, there are people who are saying, because you saw that eternal city, because you lived for that eternal city, because like Joseph you said, 
somebody deal with my bones after I've gone with you. <laughs> I haven't got time to deal with them. Because you live that way, I found Jesus Christ. And whether it's in Cheltenham, whether it's in elsewhere in the UK, whether it's elsewhere, we, we sang a few minutes ago, didn't we? Lord, Holy Spirit, we need your fire again. I, I believe, as believers today, we need to know that we have an answer, whether folk are ready to admit it or not, to everybody's need, which is Jesus Christ. Mm, I, I, every Sunday, I, I post on Facebook a missionary story. I wrote, a, wrote this week about a guy called James Chalmers, who was known as the David Livingston of Papua New Guinea. He went into cannibals, literally, walked amongst them unarmed, led many of them to faith in Jesus Christ. There was one comment in the research I did that struck me. It said, he always went unarmed and he always preached the gospel. And that's essentially what we're called to do. We're called to know that the Father has prepared an eternal city. And the thing about Hebrews 11, some of it is, you know, is, is they were rescued from death, they had miracles, they had this, they had but God, fantastic. Others did not, that the Lord allowed them to suffer. But it's all worthwhile, why? Because this is temporary. This, this tent we're in is temporary. We have an eternal city, our job is to pull as many with us into that eternal city as we can. One final example, Christine's mum, uh, after her dad died, went back to Rwanda at the age of 80 and said, I think I'm going to be, go to be with the Lord uh, this time in Rwanda. Please don't come to my funeral because I don't intend to be there. <laughs> in other words... <laughs> In other words, what you see is the tent that I'm no longer using. I'm now in the eternal city with Jesus. Amazing. <laughs>